1-877-8 Silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Sign up for that precious metal advisor. Get the investor kit. And right off the top, a reminder as we mention every week if you're investing in a registered savings account, RSP, RIF, Lira, all that stuff, you will receive a gram of gold courtesy of Guildhall for every $5,000 US. Invest in more details online at uh, guildhallwealth.com. Jeremy, Darren, how are you, fellas? Well, she did it. Excuse me? Well, in fact, she didn't do it. <laughs> She left rates exactly the same. Uh, uh, yet another bluff went by. No rate hike. You're referring to the monthly Federal Reserve minutes that came across the desk on Wednesday of this week. And in fact, the U.S. has decided not to up their federal interest rates. The band keeps playing. That's it. But and I love the fact that she. they said, no, nope, we're not raising rates. But when we do raise rates... My gosh, we're going to really raise them two what she, quarter points. What she said was that uh, the outlook for the economy, although it has softened this year, remains positive, that their expectations for GDP are lower than expected, especially coming into the fourth quarter of the year, and that interest rates can and will be most likely raised next year, first by a half of 1% mm-hmm. and then by a full three quarters of 1%. That was the outlook in terms of 2018, 17, and uh, now here coming into the last quarter, 2016, we're excited because as we tape the show today on Thursday, we're staring at a silver market that is up 44% year to date. Both gold and silver rallied back from lower uh, pricing during the early stages of the week and into last, late last week. And gold, as we're taping the show, is up 26.5%. So very exciting time to be invested in this market. As we always say every week, welcome to all of our new investors. Welcome to you if you have a registered account, if you opened up an RRSP, a TFSA, or spousal RSP, or any of the various accounts that we offer at Guildhall with Physical Bullion, and those that purchased and put into the depository uh, bullion that they wanted to hold and have in their portfolio. A big hello to you, and we're glad to have you aboard. Isn't isn't Yellen basically saying the economy isn't improving at all? We can't raise rates. We can talk it up, but we're not going to. We can't raise them. Sorry, if we raise them, we're going to tank the the economy. So what? Essentially, we're in this sweet spot of, well, the stock market's happy. They know they can continue business as usual, but everyone else looking at it can start to say, well, I see what's going on, and they're holding up a window for us to grab a life jacket, which is why gold and silver are going up because. It's sort of, we're talking one thing, we don't want to make any changes, but we know things aren't good. We were forced to not make changes. And so the world is waking up saying, well, we got to move on with this. I mean, even Dennis Gartman came out this week and said, we're entering uh, the Zimbabweization of the global capital markets. And he wouldn't be the only one. I mean, there are a number of different analysts that are speaking publicly about the merits of various hard asset investments. And of course, Gartman has had a variance of different opinions on gold and silver, depending on where he sits on the fence, whether it's on the left or right side, it sometimes can be both. But ultimately, we're seeing this pickup in pricing uh, due to much of what we have discussed on The Real Money Show over the past year. It has been a very long consolidation period. Many analysts will even go as far to say that one bull market ended in 2011 and another began late last year in 2015. And here in 2016, Either way, the charts do show that there's a significant uptick in both silver and gold. Now, that being said, coming into a new cycle, typically, as we saw in 2004, 2006, 2008, and 2011, the fall period of the year prior to each of those dates presents various opportunities for investors to bulk up on their holdings, to get into the market, presents good buying opportunities. And generally speaking, if we're seeing the same cycle repeat itself, more than likely we're going above $52 an ounce by spring of next year. If it repeats the same cycle we saw in 2011 and 2008, six and four. So if you look at the market, pay attention to what gold is doing because silver follows gold. Now both metals rebounded nicely coming into the end of the week and it doesn't change our opinion about what the Fed really wants in the U.S. and how the rest of the world will react depends on what we see in the near and medium term. But the Fed wants a weak dollar. It has been losing the currency war lately because the dollar has been in the U.S. very strong. But this is not going to last. And as I said, when investing in silver, you're following cycles and sentiment in gold is silver will follow gold. 
we're in a, a portion, uh, the very front end of what I believe is the next large cycle up. And of course, we're going to be talking today, I have the privilege of speaking uh, with Paul Legenovic, who wrote the book Precious Metals for Dummies, among many other uh, investing books for dummies. And of course, we're going to ask him a bunch of these questions and we're very happy and pleased to have him on the show. But before we get there, essentially what we saw this week was just a real change in the t- total attitude towards many of the markets and particular in silver, we saw bullish crossings in the silver patterns and the medium and long-term moving averages. So we are seeing silver's 200-day moving average. It's crossed the 500-day moving average to the upside. Its 80-day moving average has moved above the 900-day moving average. The 50-day moving average is poised to overtake the 1,000-day moving average, and silver is finding a bit of resistance right and will find that resistance at the 1,000-day moving average level. It's finding strong support, however, in the 80-day moving average. So that tells us where we are price-wise is exactly what the charts are telling us silver should be doing. Now look to what we would call events that drive markets. On the geopolitical front, if you see any weakness in any of the major currencies, if you see the slightest threat, although this week in the Federal Reserve's report, there was very little in terms of true inflation uh, statistics, but they did say that they do expect inflation to creep up over the next year. So if they tell us 2% uh, to 2.5% at uh, what they're saying is the true level of inflation, expect that to be anywhere from two to three times higher at the street level. So again, we are seeing that translate itself in food prices as a prime example of where inflation is heading. We're seeing that in utility pricing here in Canada in particular. We're seeing inflation hit the hydro sector. So these are all inklings as to what we expect the larger markets to do that will in fact impact where gold and silver go. So if you're an investor and you're looking to get into these markets, now is the time to start really asking the questions and getting ready to get into this market if you haven't already. And if you have an opportunity and you bought at higher prices, here's your shot to cost average. Might want to get that phone call down, one eight seven seven eight silver and online go to the website guildhallwealth.com. Well, personally, I don't take anything that the Fed says seriously. I think they're they're out for themselves. They're protecting the rich. That's what they're there for. If anyone wants to learn more about the Federal Reserve, I would say get a book called It Came From Jekyll Island, um, A Second Look at the Federal Reserve. It is a fantastic book, tells you all about how it got created and who who is behind the Fed in actual fact. Look, they're there to protect themselves. Janet Yellen or any federal uh, chair, any chairman of the Federal Reserve will say, constantly to the public or Congress, we are here because of the Federal Reserve Act that was passed by Congress. And she will say that directly to Congress's face every single time because, you know, every time they speak, it's just, oh, what is the what does the wizard have to say now? And the wizard is just going to talk until someone finally pulls back the curtain and more and more people are pulling back that curtain and realizing who's who's actually behind the Fed. But I think right now, in terms of the economy, because the fact that they didn't raise rates, I have to say, you know, not our favorite person on this show, but Dennis Gartman, I think, did put it best in terms of exactly where we are. We are in a sweet spot. Uh, I'll just uh, read a quote from him. He said, the market is irrational. The music will indeed eventually end. The great game of musical chairs will come to a swift and violent stop as the musicians suddenly put their instruments down and as the, as the participants in the game all try vainly to find a seat. Many will be hurt, and most will be hurt badly at that point. But that point may be months, perhaps even years, or maybe only days away. Until the music's until then, the music's still playing, the champagne's flowing, and as Wayne and Garth used to say, party on. <laughs> and that is exactly where we're at. I was just listening to an interview um, with uh, James Turk and Max Kaiser, one, uh, who is one of our favorites on the show, and they were talking about that there's $100 trillion that is owned by the 1% in the world, and they are participating in gold at 1% maybe 2%. So try fitting an elephant into a mouse. The point is, is that there is a lack of physical product out there. So when the time comes, and even Dennis Gartman said, we don't know if it's going to come tomorrow, next week, or next year. 
when everyone finally starts to get involved in the precious metals, the price will go through the roof because there's simply not, no product available or not enough to supply the demand that's out there. So anyone who can get involved now is way ahead of the curve. And that's the point. If you want to protect yourself, you want an opportunity to take advantage and grow your wealth, do it with a hard asset that can't be printed infinitum. Um, you want something that takes blood, sweat, and tears to get out of the ground. And look, there's a reason, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, there's a reason that Norway and and Switzerland are printing money and then turning around and buying mining stocks because there's not enough physical bullion out there. So they need they need some exposure somehow without moving the market. So look, if you want to protect your wealth, you look at a hard asset. Now, a lot of people have never done that before. They've never purchased physical precious metals. One of the easiest ways to do that is to just buy some physical metal and put it in your hand. You can go to guildhallpreciousmetals.com, that's our e-store, and you can simply choose the product that you want, you register, you you pick up the you can come to the office and pick up the product by appointment or you can have it shipped to you and you get it in your hand. Every time someone finally puts some physical bullion in their hand, they start to understand what real money is, what w- real wealth is, and how to store wealth. And then they can move on to things like holding physical bullion in your RSP or holding it outside the RSP in an independent vault. Talk a little more about uh, about storage, Darren. Well, storage is a very uh, complex subject for many people. But for us, it's the simplest part of buying precious metals. The truth about storage is that many people have been bombarded by articles and people talking about how if you don't hold it in your hand, you don't actually own it. And the fact is that that's anything but the truth. Perhaps they've been involved with lesser firms or companies that just are not uh, really good at what they do, or maybe they bought silver that didn't even exist on paper with other types of companies in the, uh, doing the paper type of trading. But when you come to Guildhall, you actually have the physical ability to go and see your metal. So whether you're bringing it in and it's metal that already exists and you want to store that metal, or if it's metal you're buying from us that for security reasons, insurance purposes, or just for liquidity needs to be stored, you're talking about having something that's at a class three vaulting facility that's accessible by you, the client, that includes includes segregation and allocation and that when requested also includes serial numbers on the bars. So this is something that is uh, we pride ourselves on at Guildhall and that I think is among the safest ways in the world when you factor in the need for liquidity. It is among the safest ways in the world to get your bullion into a facility that will allow you to buy and sell whenever you need to. One eight seven seven eight silver The website, as Darren mentioned a few times, guildhallwealth.com. Yeah, RSP, other registered funds, a good way to start. And, you know, we're, we're just talking about holding physical precious metals. And one of the big reasons why people are moving into physical precious metals is because about it's all about confidence. It's knowing that your product can never be mixed, mingled, or swapped, that you're holding your wealth and there's zero counterparty risk. You know, there's been a, a word being thrown about, bandied about in the media, called deplorables. And, you know, if you want to talk about deplorables, just look at Deutsche Bank, who's decided that they want to negotiate their fines simply because if you do the do the research, because they don't have the money. And they, they have huge derivatives books that this could be the, the Trojan horse that takes down the monetary system in Europe. And thank goodness uh, the Brits decided to leave. And they're, they seem very happy that they've left. Or look at Wells Fargo. Let's open accounts, fake accounts. We'll charge them to the hilt. We'll we'll give them credit, whatever it is. And and uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren was was uh, talking to the 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 CEO or the president of Wells Fargo, and he's taking no accountability. They never do. They claim stupidity. They say, "Well, I'm sorry, but no, I'm not giving back any of my money. No, I'm not going to fire anybody." Um, you know, we're, we're completely insulated from any problems. So let's talk about trust. How can you trust major banks around the globe if this is what they're involved in? The regulators aren't regulating. How do you protect your wealth? You have to have zero counterparty risk, and that's what gold does. That's why the price of gold and silver are moving up currently. It's why they're going to continue to move up because there's a limited supply, physical precious metals. Preach the gospel, man. I love it.
I love it. The number one eight seven seven eight silverguildhallwealthcom is the website. Take a short break. Paul Mlojenovic is coming up. A very cool interview Darren will be hosting for the next uh, couple segments. We'll stick around lots more. The Real Money Show is coming right up. Talk Radio AM 640. 1-877-8-SILVER online to guildhallwealth.com. For the next uh, little while, a couple segments here, we're going to uh, get into our interview and got to welcome Paul Mlojenovic uh, here, the author of the book Precious Metals for Dummies here to The Real Money Show. Darren. Well, first things first, Paul, I'd like to welcome you to The Real Money Show. And prior to me asking my first question, I am completely uh, interested in knowing what drives you in this particularly insane market of precious metals to write a book called Precious Metals for Dummies. Well, Precious Metals, actually, Precious Metals Investing for Dummies uh, is the title, and I'm looking forward to doing an updated one since uh, that, that current that book is a little bit dated, but I thought it was a very important topic for the times that we're in. Um, I think that, uh, look, I'm a certified financial planner, and uh, last year was my 30-year anniversary. And I think that one thing that really um, bothered me was not so much how the American public and the world public, uh, but mostly the American public, how they are uh, in, the, in the North America, they, they, they're not as, as well-versed about precious metals, and I think they definitely need it. But, you know, what, what's really shocked me in recent years is how – I think a lot of financial advisors out there, you know, either have uh, ignorance or hostility to precious metals, which I find very, uh, uh, very disconcerting for these times uh, when they should be serving their clients about understanding them. So for me, uh, writing books such as that and continuing uh, to be on great venues such as yours is important because people need to understand about the who, the what, and the why about precious metals, especially given the reality of the 2016 you know, uh, world of financial markets and the economy. Right. And again, there's a lot to be said for the validity, the validity of holding precious metals in many forms uh, within a person's portfolio or even if they don't have a portfolio. Where are we, in your best opinion, at present in terms of the precious metals markets worldwide, and where might we be heading over the medium term? Oh, well, first of all, I'm... Uh, I count myself as uh, somebody very bullish on it right now. Uh, and, you know, what's interesting, what makes me more and more bullish about gold and silver is not as much gold and silver as I see everything else out there. Uh, I, I think that when you see uh, bubbles galore, you know, um, growing by literally trillions across the world global financial landscape, this is a worrisome thing because people don't understand that paper assets – um, you know, if, if, if there's one weakness that it has that a lot of people don't know, even conventional financial advisors, is that, you know, paper assets have a huge counterparty risk. And, uh, you know, when I was on your site earlier, I saw that phrase there, and I was delighted because counterparty risk is probably one of the few uh, risks out there that are just not addressed enough. Uh, you, you have a lot of financial advisors who are talking about you know, being diversified among stocks and bonds and the rest, but they forget that precious metals, especially when you're talking about from a, you know, from a bullion point of view, are necessary. What I see coming is that because the paper assets have just gone into hyperdrive and could easily have a, a bubble popping any day or any week, um, I think that the metals are poised from, a, uh, from both fundamentals and when you juxtapose it with the risks of other paper assets, bonds and bubble and bonds and stocks and so forth, I think we're on the cusp of uh, possibly uh, uh, the most significant bull market in precious metals that I've seen in my lifetime, and possibly ever, given the dollar values of the numbers that we're looking for across the globe. You know, so I'm very bullish on precious metals, and uh, as a matter of fact, I, I I've been. Um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, on notice publicly in the last couple of years that I'm expecting uh, gold to uh, head north of 2,000 and to see silver go north of 100. And again, uh, partly because of their own intrinsic value, but to a greater extent because the rest of the world's paper assets are, are such a hazardous landmine today. And again, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, the counterparty risk that you mentioned there is something that we hold have held true to since day one. I mean, we focus solely on, from a precious metals perspective, the physical precious metal itself. And so our whole system is set up for that. But that being said, 
when we look back at the last 40 years, I mean, I think most financial planners, when they actually sit down and do this, are shocked to realize that the most negatively correlated asset class to stocks, bonds, and cash are precious metals. So if you're talking about truly diversifying your portfolio, I mean, there, I can think of no better way to do it than to have some gold or silver in there. But if we focus purely on physical gold and silver for a moment in relation to what you've just talked about, and we look at the fundamentals playing a role in the market, where do you think the second half or the later stages or even the fourth quarter of this year are taking us? You threw out a number there of saying, suggesting perhaps silver could be even in the hundreds, but do you think that the fundamentals that uh, really underline this entire bull market are going to serve us well here coming into the end of the year? Absolutely. And as you know, now we're speaking in the September and typically September, October, and even November, Uh, tend to be friendly months for uh, seasonal buying for gold and silver. Uh, Some of it is due, I'm I'm sure other uh, guests have mentioned things such as like the Indian wedding season, you know, because that ends up increasing the the sale potential of gold and silver. Uh, In addition, in the U.S. markets, to a lesser extent, but still there, is when we were to we're heading into the uh, the home stretch for things such as jewelry and related items for the uh, uh, for our holiday seasons coming up. So, it, it, and and to me, I think the short term where you people have to be more mindful of is uh, how I've seen it become more acute in the short term markets, like in Comex. In Comex, uh, if I quoted correctly, uh, very recently. The uh, the ratio of uh, paper gold to to physical gold and from paper silver to physical silver has uh, gone way over triple digits to one. In other words, for uh, you know, as people know or hopefully know, on COMEX they trade futures contracts on gold and silver. And right now, when you take a look at the notional value of these things, I, I, it's uh, it's something like uh, the uh, for every hundred. Uh, ounces of uh, of, uh, of gold, for example, uh, that are that they might be a p- potential paper claim to in the comix. There's only one ounce of silver, and it's even more extreme than that. I'm actually lowballing it. Um, but what does that mean when all of a sudden people start to do what you know you have told your uh, your uh, listeners and viewers for the longest time, which is to make sure you have the physical. Well, you know, I, I part of the sea change is that. You do have more and more people who are long-term gold, uh, uh, precious metals bears and long-term stock mar- uh, market bulls. They have started to change one by one. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure some people found out about uh, Stanley uh, uh, Druckenmiller and some of the other ones out there, and uh, Ray Dalio, and some of these have, have, have expressed more uh, positive bullish you know, views on gold and silver and are starting to become much more uh, you know, uh, wary of the stock market. So I think between the COMEX and the fact that the uh, uh, that a lot of the long-time uh, um, establishment, uh, you know, uh, of financial pros out there are starting to more and more you know, gravitate their money to this. Uh, you can see some real, I think, some some potential um, fireworks in the remaining uh, three to four months of this year, and it's already started. As you can see, silver is uh, just breached twenty. As I'm speaking to you real time today on the 24th, you see silver doing, uh, holding a very strongly at the $20 level, and what happens in October and, the, and, and some of the delivery months that have to come up uh, very soon. Uh, I, I, it, I think it's probably, um, I'll say that probably I'm expecting silver to go, uh, you know, to the mid 20s probably by the end of the year. Again, you know, it's always a hazard when you're doing short-term. You know, prognostications because the short term never cooperates with you. Uh, I just know that long term, uh, the uh, the bullish fundamentals are out, uh, better than anything I've ever seen uh, with precious metals, especially after this consolidation phase. Because as you notice, from 2011 to 2000 uh, to the end of 2015 was a was a brutal bear market, and to a great extent, it was because of the machinations in the COMEX. But they're all starting to lose control right now, especially as greater demand happens, not only globally, but again, from conventional venues who start seeing the value of having precious metals in their portfolios. Well, that's an amazing couple of points there. And one takeaway from that for me has always been that it has never ceased to amaze me at the limited percentage of actual delivery that occurs in the gold and silver futures market. And I think many analysts have pointed out over time, including David Morgan, who's been on this very show, that if you were to take just 
four or five percent of total deliverable product out of the COMEX right now and call for delivery, you could literally see the COMEX go bankrupt because of the lack of physical. So when you're talking about those high ratios of 100 to 1 in terms of how many actual ounces exist to paper ounces, this has been something we've discussed at the Real Money Show for years on end and certainly, uh, again, yet another reason to uh, pay attention when people like Druckenmiller and those are saying, hey, I'm looking at gold. Gold looks really good here and uh, we're going to take a few of our dollars and put it into that market. Now, from a perspective of owning gold, whether I'm an investor or not, do you think that owning gold and silver helps the average person, and I say person, not just investor, because I believe it applies to everyone, to truly diversify themselves? Oh, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been speaking along these lines for, uh, for the last few years as, a, as, a, as, a, as an amazing point that I think of. One client of mine I do recall who uh, kept on accumulating uh, physical silver. Uh, and again, the great thing about physical silver, when you have it in your hands, you know, look, uh, there's, there's no denying it. Uh, it's, it's not like holding a, a stock certificate, but then you find out a year later the company's bankrupt and your stock certificate is, is zero. <laughs> this is where the real counterparty risks come in. But that particular client, this is going back a few years, she had a lot of money with a, a financial manager uh, uh, who was out of Texas, and uh, yeah, we all remember the, uh, the, the the famous guy who uh, uh, Madoff. You know, I mean, uh, and of course, the, uh, you know. Well, it seems as though they, uh, a uh, a second banana to Madoff doing the same exact thing, but not as famous, was in Texas, and uh, uh, she lost six figures with that uh, particular account. You know, but with the with the all the, the the Ponzi economics doing this, and when you think that Ponzi economics is now you know, uh, in charge on a global basis, especially in the bond markets and in the currency markets, then now people start seeing the uh, uh, the value of the bullion. So I, I, I've told clients this in the past, and I continue, have the bullion uh, in your hands because that's a diversification, you know, against everybody. Even financial advisors you do trust. Even stocks and things you do trust. It's just not enough out there. I mean, and, and people don't have the practicality to hold other assets. You know, nobody can as easily have things such as, you know, raw lands or, uh, you know, or other types of, uh, you know, hard assets. Gold and silver is just a convenient way of holding it. And the, the fact that it would never go to zero compared to so many catastrophes that have occurred in financial markets in the last 20 years, you know, this is where true diversification comes in. And this is where I always try to make sure when I meet other financial advisors that they understand that you have to be diversified away from paper assets, not just to be diversified within paper assets. Those are valid points. And most of the planners that we speak to, their reasons for not liking gold are are naive. They will tell you that it doesn't pay dividends or that you can't live in it, you can't eat it. Well, those are all the part of the reasons why I like it, you know, because I can use it well, for other things pay- that they're not thinking about. You could say the same thing about certain stocks. Like Absolutely. If, if you own Twitter stock, as an example, and that was a catastrophe, you, know, you couldn't eat that either. For that. And by the way, now, because we're in the age of negative interest rates, and now on a worldwide basis, there's something like 10, uh, uh, what was it there, like uh, $10 trillion worth of, uh, of negative interest debt across the globe. Right. Now, all of a sudden... At least if I have my gold, 10 years from now, I'm going to have gold. If I have that bond, 10 years from now, I'm guaranteed to have less. What kind of investment is that? Well, that's absolutely true, 100%. It's just because locally or regionally, we haven't experienced that to the same extent as what they have in other places in the world that we just don't have or we haven't formalized an opinion on it. We'll take a quick break uh, with our interview. More with Paul here in just a few minutes. In the meantime, the number one eight seven seven eight silver to get investing right now or go to Guildhall Wealth. Real Money Show continues. Talk Radio, AM 640. 1-877-8-SILVER online to guildhallwealth.com. Pick up that precious metal advisor, the investor kit, and check how you can use your RSP and other registered funds to uh, get some precious metals into your account right now. Physical metals, by the way. If you do it now until the end of the year, for every $5,000 U.S. invested in that RSP account, you will receive one gram of gold. Back we go with Paul Mlajenovic here, uh, the author of Precious Metals for Dummies. Darren. Speaking of interest rates, though, do you feel the Fed, although because this Wednesday they didn't increase rates, 
Do you think that the Fed is going to hold true to what they said this past week about raising interest rates next year? We uh, we saw them kind of tip their cap to the idea that they might raise interest rates as much as a half to three quarters of a point next year. And if so, is it possible to provide your opinion on the long-term effects of higher interest rates and what they would do to gold and silver? Well, let me tell you a few things about this one. I, I, uh, I remember in... Uh I remember in 2015, I forgot what it was, they kept on projecting that it might be as many as three interest rate uh, you know, uh, increases in 2016. And what did you have so far this year? One, and they've been freezing them. They've been talking about how they've been data dependent and looking at the markets, and they think that they're doing well. But, you can't, but listen, if, if they're truly looking at the numbers, and, and, I, and I think that they didn't raise, they're not going to raise interest rates until after the elections because they are. Well, also very uh, politically dependent as well. You know, nobody wants a bad economy going into an election, especially people seeking whatever re-election, etc. Uh, to me, uh, I think that for the foreseeable future, uh, the uh, the rates will not rise. And partly the reason that the uh, and, and look and they know if interest rates do rise, even by a modest percentage, what are you risking? You have uh, the greatest debt bubble in world history happening right now. Um, and the economy is very fragile. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if a month from now the, the latest data comes up because, you know, people, you know, will d- uh, denote something as a recession up to six months after it occurs. It, you know, no one announces it's a, a recession at that moment. They have to look at back data to see, yes, we were. And, and, if I, and, and in my thinking, when I see the data and I talk to, you know, all the folks that I respect, uh, it, it, the case could be made that we're in a recession right now. When you look at the real data behind the uh, behind the numbers, you know that are that aren't uh, you know fudged for uh, for public consumption. Uh, the uh, the interest rates are going to be kept as low as possible uh, until they're actually forced to increase uh, interest rates. And what that'll happen is that you know in many cases. You, you, you may end up being forced to raise interest rates under uh, several conditions. Number one, if inflation starts to rear its ugly head, and that is the definite, a definite possibility in the next three, six, nine months. So that's one possible you know, a reason for raising interest rates. The, the, uh, the other one is uh, if we're talking about if money starts to flow across the globe, especially if the Chinese currency you know, uh, reaches uh, you know, reserve status, then uh, you know, then the point is, as money flows, money will go to wherever is the greatest uh, uh, return on it. So, therefore, interest rates might end up rising for that potential uh, reason to keep to keep bonds competitive, so that people will move money there versus away. Because what happens if people start cashing in their uh, uh, their, their their treasury bonds, etc., and money starts to flow back into the U.S. economy? That will cause some inflation. So. As far as I'm concerned, if if they want to, uh, you know, I mean, they're not going to keep the uh, the global uh, crisis away for long, but part of what they'll do to try to postpone it is going to try to be keep interest rates as low as possible for as long as possible. I'd be interested in knowing, Paul, what your opinion is on the differences because you've spoken about, especially in the book, extensively about paper and uh, physical gold, the different types of way a person can invest in these two assets. But I'd be interested in knowing because we are focused on the physical side of gold and silver markets. Um, and I'd be interested in knowing your thoughts on the importance of physical ownership of gold and silver. I know you alluded to just a minute earlier about having the gold in your hand. What are your thoughts on the importance of physical ownership versus paper? First of all, I, I, um, I'm a strong proponent of I have the physical myself. I, I don't tell people anything. I don't do this uh, myself. And, of course, you have to go through the, uh, uh, you know, the, to, the, uh, you know, to you know, learn a few things about safekeeping to keep it away. Because uh, now uh, we live in the age when everything is, is questionable, even if uh, a bank deposit uh, box these days. So people have to be, um, you know, um, more attuned to how they're going to keep, you know, uh, their uh, they're safe as well. And uh, for me, when I come across people ask me what kind of uh, bullion should you get, I, I always say to them, until you understand the markets better, because I make, there is a clear distinction between bullion coins and numismatic coins. And the numismatic coins requires people to be a little bit more diligent about it because there's other factors involved. Of course. But I tell people, until they get uh, proficient, uh, I, the, uh, 
the way for beginning investors or people who consider themselves newbies <laughs> to the world of gold and silver, the physical. Uh, I I like bullion coins, you know. Uh, I I and, and you made the things like the the uh, the U.S. the eagle, uh, both the gold eagle and the silver eagle. I think are uh, just just just. I mean, millions are sold week, millions are bought and sold week in and week out, and I'm sure you're uh, you know. The, 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 the a lot of great firms in Guildhall for tremendous example. demand. Absolutely, you know, uh, SC both the demand and people need also uh, you know reliability and integrity. So it's a pleasure to be uh, on the program such as yours. And I uh, and I realize that part of the issue, uh, part of the, the scenario is a gold hole. So I wish them all success with meeting the demand and, and serving these people. Uh, so uh, as the, as they get more and more uh, you know proficient, uh, once they get past uh, the bullion. Then to a, a possibly a smaller extent because again I don't know who's listening to me within the sound of my voice. Some people, you know, are um, sophisticated enough they understand uh, numismatics and, and issues such as you know grading, authenticity, and uh, and and uh, mintage, etc. Those are all various factors that beginning investors uh, don't grasp yet. So uh, I, I'm sure that the proficient among your audience uh, can go to that uh, with, with greater confidence. Um, I'd also know that uh, with numismatics, uh, it's not something you're going to buy and sell immediately. They, they, are, they are definitely a long-term holding of five years and longer. And for me, because I expect that the next five years are going to be extraordinarily friendly to, uh, to, to the prices of gold and silver, then some mix of the physical, especially the, uh, like the bullion that I mentioned. I mentioned U.S. Eagles, but I know that the uh, Canadian, the Maple Leafs are, are superb and, and the uh, uh, they, they were made with exacting standards, similar to the U.S. Eagle, and the Krugerrand is still around as well. So there's a there's, there still are uh, good values at those levels, but uh, they need to react sooner because who knows when there'll be a buying panic. Uh, you, when people start seeing these things rise, nothing uh, you know nothing advertises the uh, the value of gold and silver better than the price itself, and now it's being tracked more so than ever before because now people are uh, hopefully. Uh, much more astute in watching the general global market and see that yes, gold and silver are uh, are an important part of that, along with every, anybody's portfolio. Well, that's interesting take because it it goes hand in hand with kind of what the next question is. You mentioned seasonality of it, for example, uh, things such as the Indian wedding season, as jewelry demand, Christmas approaches, and for our clients. They do have a very, very uh, simple list of questions that they ask, one of which is, well, I've heard silver is very volatile as an example, and it can be. Of course, we know the faster something rises, the faster the uh, opportunity it has to be taken down, especially in a thinner market like silver. But I've also pointed out to people that these are cyclical markets. You can see these patterns develop over time, especially from 2002 to 2011, and those cycles seem to be uh, very much intact. Would you be able to explain the most recent correction of the gold price since 2011? Do you think we're in a new cycle? And if so, and we won't hold you to it, we promise. We never do with our guests. Uh, if so, you know, would you speculate on where you think gold and silver prices might be heading in the near future? Oh, no, definitely. Um, well, I'm, I'm still sticking to those points that I made uh, earlier. Uh, when could when could gold go north of two thousand and silver going north of a hundred? Well, to me, I, I think in terms of uh, the path, I, I think that gold I think has an excellent chance of uh, breaching the two thousand mark in uh, nineteen and two thousand seventeen. I think silver has a great chance of uh, of, of uh, meeting its old plateau of approximately fifty uh, sometime, possibly a year from now, as early as a year from now. Um, and uh, to me, uh, triple digits, uh, you know, I think are more than plausible during 2018 to 2019. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting because with the with silver, I mean, I, I mean, I have a bias between the two. Yes, I like gold definitely, and for me, silver, I like it because look, it's it's a lower price, so it's more affordable for a lot of folks. And the fact that there are so many manufacturing uses for it that are absorbing it along with investor demand. Uh, which means, look, uh, you know, I don't sweat uh, how it's doing this week or next week or this month or next month. Uh, it's the kind of thing that if you're holding it three, four, five years, I mean, you'll be glad you did. I mean, think about it going, uh, looking backwards, say, 16 years. In the year 2000, uh, take, for example, the Dow. 
the Dow was uh, roughly uh, 11, 12,000, uh, give or take, in the year 2000. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's around 18 right now. And again, I, I'm going to be very suspicious if it can be able to hold these levels in the next few years, given what I see coming. But regardless, uh, let's say you're talking about it was roughly 12,000 in the year 2000. So 16 years later, uh, the stock market uh, went up, I'd say, roughly 50%, right? Because we're talking about from 12, roughly 12 to roughly 18. You're talking about roughly a 50% move, you know, in uh, 16 years. It may sound at the at the first uh, instance, uh, you know, like a good move, but when you break that 50% down over uh, 16 years, you're talking about, you know, barely above a CD rate when you think about it, certainly the old CD rates anyway. But think about uh, gold, for example, was roughly $300 in the year 2000, again, give or take. I think it was less than that. And it's now around 1300 so it's uh, it's gone up a thousand from from three hundred. So you're talking about roughly you know uh, roughly three hundred percent. You know, forgive me if I'm off on the math. I'm just <laughs> saying off the top of my no, head. No, it's just you're right Where, there. Yeah, we've talked about it at length. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And when you talk about silver, silver was under five at that time, and now it's at twenty. So again, roughly a, a similar move. It's a roughly three hundred percent move. Okay, so. When I hear people telling me, well, you know, I'm in, you know, I'm in stocks, et cetera, this is good. I, look, I wrote the book Stock Investing for Dummies. I love stocks. I mean, there's some stocks I love more than others. I mean, I like, you know, I do, uh, for, the, for those who are growth-oriented, I like certain uh, gold and silver uh, mining stocks. You know, some of them have been superb. You know, but again, a lot of volatility and risk, certainly, because that's what's for more uh, growth-oriented folks. You know, I like stocks that are in consumer staples and some of the, you know, uh, defensive areas, et cetera. But the thing is, I, I'm, I, there's a lot of stocks I don't like. And I, I think if, if uh, some people within the sound of my voice were to say, cash out some of their social media stocks, which I think are at, uh, I think at inflated levels, and they took that money and diversified into gold and silver while they retained their quality dividend-paying stocks, then you have a much better you know, a diversification and an allocation, you know, of their money versus having a hundred percent of in the stock market and uh, and think you're well diversified. You're not diversified enough, as far as I'm concerned. So yes, long term, gold and silver have outperformed the markets, and I I think that the, they're poised to outperform the uh, the stock market and certainly the bond markets for the next, you know, uh, three, four, five years and longer. Well, again, Paul, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. We're cut short for a bit of time here, but again, I'm speaking today with Paul Legenovic, author of Precious Metals Investing for Dummies, among many other books. Paul, please, before you uh, leave today, let our let our listening audience in Canada here know how they can get in touch with you and a little bit more about your website. Oh, well, thank you for uh, allowing me to say this. Uh, my website is ravencapitalist.com, and uh, the reason why I tell people my background is I was born in a communist country. That's how you become a raving capitalist. And I mentioned it in my seminars across the country so often that I figured, hey, what the heck, I might as well take the title. So ravingcapitalist.com is my site. And uh, if people go there, I plan on putting a lot of content in there, you know, certainly free content so people can understand about the markets and the economy, etc. Uh, but the, the things that they may want to consider looking at when they're there is, uh, all of my seminars, including one on commodities investing, you know, is at this is uh, where it says my seminars, and all of my seminars are easy to uh, acquire and download instantly. They can go there and find more details. And among my books, uh, yes, thank you for mentioning Precious Metals Investing for Dummies. Uh, that's been out a while, and I plan on hopefully doing an update or something uh, to that. Depends on the publisher, but a book that I hope people consider, which I always. I have also included a, a positive, uh, my positive take on gold and silver given today's economy, uh, is my latest book that I feel will benefit people in today's economy, especially with potentially markets soaring and markets crashing and bubbles popping, is the one called High Level Investing for Dummies. High Level Investing for Dummies. And that and other books are definitely uh, mentioned there you know, and covered there at uh, ravingcapitalist.com. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Thank you for letting me mention that, and I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you being on the show today, Paul, and we hope this is the first of many opportunities we'll have at The Real Money Show to speak with you. Godspeed to you, and we hope you have a great week, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks again, Paul. All 
I wish all of you tremendous financial success in these days. Thank you again. All right. Take care. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com is the website. Get on that precious metals. You can see how you can buy them, whether you use the e-store or do it on a phone call. That's the number you want to use. Precious Metal Advisor available online and the Investor Kit. Both those you should have in your knowledge arsenal uh, moving forward to buy your physical metals with Guildhall. This is The Real Money Show. Lots more coming up. We'll get into diamonds after a short break on Talk Radio AM 640. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhalldiamonds.com. Uh, speaking of diamonds, this is the uh, the part of the show, Jeremy, Darren, where we talk about those beautiful rocks, the, the ones that make a lot of money. Well, as the South China Morning Post put it so aptly this week in an article that they wrote on colored diamonds, the title of which is Cannot Lose. While there are risks, top of the range colored diamonds can be highly profitable for investors. Of course, this coming from a growing economy, second largest in the world, in which they encourage highly the ownership of gold and silver. For our listeners that are Chinese or have relatives there or go back and forth to travel, you'll well know that it is a normal occurrence to see uh, and hear about people buying hard assets. And this article that was written it's always of great interest to me because this is an English written newspaper in China and it uh, leads with the following sentence saying prized gemstones continue to command record prices as supply remains very limited and the demand remains very high. And he says, diamonds make you feel good. They're up there with chocolates and champagne. Investing in diamonds, however, has a powerful psychological edge over your tech startup company shares or natural gas futures because they are so desirable on such a personal level. And he goes on throughout this article, we'll talk more about it, but essentially to say that this is the new way of approaching wealth, especially in a negative interest rate environment. Having just had the author of Precious Metals Investing for Dummies on the show talk about the importance of understanding that the culture is changing, that financial planners around the world are growing uh, significantly in terms of their acceptance of diversification and what it means to hold assets such as gold and silver. Color diamonds are right behind there. I look no further than the pink diamonds that we've sold that we typically talk about on a weekly basis. They're Argyle diamonds. We call them Argyle diamonds if you don't already know because they come from the Argyle mine in Western Australia. The parent company is called Rio Tinto. And what people don't realize is that we love these diamonds so much, as does the rest of the color diamond industry, because it has such a high demand and such a low volume. You can place in a champagne glass, the number of diamonds that come out of there in the pink color per year. That's, That's a champagne glass, and it won't even fill it. And quite frankly, it's getting less and less to the point where you're going to be down at less than a half of a shot glass for the next couple of years. They're worried, and we're going to have somebody on from the Argyle mine not too long from now in an interview we're doing coming up shortly that's going to be speaking about some of those questions. And I think what you'll find is exactly what we found is that color diamonds are one of the single best kept investment secrets mm -hmm. that I've ever come across in my entire lifetime. So when we're talking about this from an expertise standpoint, we're talking about multiple colors, but this article was talking in particular about pink diamonds and how incredible an investment they actually make. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhalldiamonds.com. By the way, you can check out the uh, entire collection there, and it is an absolute beauty. Jeremy. Yeah, and there's a couple of diamonds that aren't uh, yet up there. Uh, we've got a, we actually brought in a couple pinks. I think one sold already, and we also have the um, the vivid pink, the point seven three, coming up to the site pretty soon. But yeah, just to just to uh, rhyme with Darren's comments there in terms of diversifying a portfolio. And doing so is something that is of superior quality and also very, very rare. And that's really the challenge with colored diamonds is trying to understand just how rare a colored diamond is. Um, because there is that distinction between, well, there's luxury items and then there's luxury items that are also very, very rare. And that's what that's what maintains the value and that's what grows the value is the actual rarity of it. You know, we can go and find very high quality white diamonds all over the place. There'll be hundreds and hundreds available at any given time, which is also quite rare. I mean, it's not like you can find a one carat internally flawless blue color, meaning it's the, the whitest diamond out there. You know, 
several hundred on any given occasion. That's pretty rare, but you're paying a lot of money for that, a big premium for that. Yet colored diamonds, a vivid yellow, we might see five or 10 of those a year. Mm. And we're competing with the globe, uh, global market to, to get those diamonds. So it really starts with that rarity and understanding it. And then also seeing how it can fit in your portfolio. Because if you do, if you had a, a vivid yellow in your portfolio for the last five years, you've seen an increase from 35,000 to 50,000 in terms of what it's going to take to acquire it today. And that's great. Now, 10 years from now, it's going to be 70,000 or 80,000 to purchase. And we're going to continue to see those type of gains. So if you're looking to put something away for uh, retirement and you're seeing retirement is 20 years out, this is makes a, a great opportunity to take to consider. Now, for anyone who's looking to consider a natural fancy color diamond, the other way to really understand if this is going to work for you is to set up an appointment and actually look at the diamonds, oh, for sure. sit down with us so we can show you and explain to you just how rare they are because it is an opportunity. Look, we've seen uh, intense yellows, one carat, move from 15,000 to 25,000 in the last four years. We've seen vivid yellow diamonds at the one carat level move from 35,000 to 50,000. So we're seeing the prices constantly rise. The question is, is, is it an opportunity for you? Only way to find out would be to make an appointment, come look at the diamonds, look at the research that we can offer you so that you can make a good decision. And you can also, if you want to, you can wear that diamond, right? We do have custom jewelry settings where the client can come with their inspiration. We help them design it. Impeccable quality at half the retail price. So even if you're looking to set a white diamond, consider using Guildhall because right. what we do is we... We create the inspiration, then we show you a computer-assisted design of it, of what it will look like, and then within a week and a half, you'll have a beautiful setting for your diamond. Investments and beauty, they got it all covered. Uh, in the meantime, the number to call anytime, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Make sure you uh, sign up for the Precious Metal Advisor, get the investor kit. And a reminder, once again, if you're using your registered accounts like RRSP, RESP, TFSAs, uh, lifts, rifts, liras, all that stuff, you can use those to buy physical metals and for you doing now between the now and the end of the year actually for every five thousand dollars u.s invested in one of those set accounts you will get a gram of gold courtesy of guild hall more information online of course or call them anytime this has been the real money show on talk radio am 640